0: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, February 8th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Steve Hellwagon. A lot of Buckeye stuff to get to. Before we get to that, the Super Bowl last night, Steve, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I did pick the Bucks to win, but I picked them to win a close one, a thriller. Instead, they just beat down the Chiefs 31-9. It was weird not having any Buckeyes in the game, although it kind of felt like we did with Antoine Winfield Jr., who had an interception. Man, what a surprising Super Bowl with uh, the Bucks just crushing the Chiefs 31-9. to it,
1: it was weird not having a Super Bowl without any offensive tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs, I think is what we should probably <laughs> say. That was the determining factor in the game because Mahomes was running for his life the whole time. Um, I don't know. I mean, just it's unfortunate Chiefs had such a great – First two thirds of the year and kind of limped home, you know. At the end, and we're just kind of a shell of how great they were earlier in the season. And uh, here we are with Tampa Bay, a team that during the regular season had a couple blowout losses, and you know never really, you know, they were always kind of lurking there. And everyone said, "Well, Brady, Brady, this and that," and they put it together at the right time and, and, and won the Super Bowl. So. Uh, what can you say? I mean, just uh, hats off to them. Hats off to him. He just keeps right on rolling. Uh, Gronkowski comes, uh, you know, back from the old age home as well and, you know, has a big game. And uh, I couldn't get over all the hatred for the weekend, Dave. That was uh, that was weird to me. I think people forgot it was a COVID uh, uh, concert, and uh, I think uh, he got in. He played the hits for 12 minutes, and he got out and uh, that music if you're not uh, under the age of about 25 you probably haven't heard much of his music and uh, to me the end with blinding lights and the people dancing around and everything that was fabulous to me but um, I don't know I, I listened to it because my kids you know have me listening to it I suppose but uh, I thought it was fine I don't know what people expect in this day and age to to make a big deal about the commercials uh, we're pretty good, and uh, the game, not so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I Even an old guy like me, I like the weekend. I like his music, so uh, I, I was a fan of the halftime show. All right, let's get to matters involving our Ohio State Buckeyes. First of all, I haven't had you on the show since uh, – no, this just was announced Wednesday. It hasn't been that long. Just you know, a few days ago last week, Ryan Day announced the coaching moves – With Greg Madison retiring, we knew that. We were wondering, what's going to happen? Um, What's your reaction with the promotions of Matt Barnes to secondary coach and Parker Fleming to special teams coordinator? I know a lot of fans are not happy with it, but I think some fans are starting to come around. What are your thoughts on those promotions?
1: Yeah, very interesting. And obviously, kind of like the Corey Dennis situation, Ryan Day had a situation with Parker Fleming where he was very comfortable elevating him to a full-time position, and I don't have a problem with that. I think you need a, a blend of guys, and I think you need younger guys to go out and hit that recruiting trail hard, and I think that's where Parker Fleming is going to pay uh, many dividends, to my way of thinking, is getting out there on the, uh, the recruiting trail when you can, obviously, and uh, securing them uh, some more great players. I don't have a problem with that. I think where people are upset, I mean, you give up 52 points to Alabama and you're thinking, okay, you're going to go out and get a guru or somebody who's going to help you solve the problems. And instead they elevated the graduate assistant or the quality control assistant who was already there. I think people were looking for some new ideas to help put them over the top to win the national championship, which they may or may not have needed. I think that game was flawed, obviously, from a personnel standpoint being down a couple guys because of COVID, and really a personnel standpoint because Alabama had better players. I think that was probably the, uh, the biggest issue that uh, kind of manifested itself, that if you were going to give their quarterback time to stand back there, he was going to pick you apart, and that's exactly what happened. So, obviously, to fast-forward this to today, uh, you got a situation now with Tennessee coming after Al Washington. Yeah. And on Wednesday, Ryan Day said – he was not of a mind to have a co-coordinator. Well, this situation reeks of elevating Al Washington to co-coordinator status and giving him a big raise to keep him from going to Tennessee. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I wouldn't say he's backed himself into a corner, but he's got some tough decisions he's going to have to make here very quickly because I'm sure Tennessee and Al Washington want to make a decision if, in fact, he is the choice for a Tennessee as their next defensive coordinator for uh, Josh Heupel. So uh, a lot going on, obviously, and uh, the hot stove league, it always uh, churns, it seems, uh, here at the Ohio State College.
0: Yeah, if you're out Washington, it's it's an interesting situation. Again, assuming that he has been offered the defensive coordinator job or he has at least, you know, strongly been targeted for it. Here's a guy, he's from Columbus. He's 36 years old. He seems very happy at Ohio State, but he's obviously on the way up. And, you know, if Ohio State does him right and, you know, gives him – even if they don't give him the title of co-defensive coordinator, maybe if they do and they, they give him a nice raise, he'll probably be happy. Then again, you can make the argument, even though Tennessee's in disarray right now, if you're going to be the defensive coordinator in an SEC school rather than the linebackers coach at Ohio State, that's a that's a move up. You know, even if, uh, you know, Tennessee is going to be having some uh, dark <laughs> days ahead, and it looks like they will with all the, you know, the scandal that's going on down there. I don't know, man. I, I'm leaning that he's – that they're going to take care of him enough. They're going to give him enough of a raise. And if, he, if he requests a title, if that's a deal breaker, they'll probably give him that too, if that's what it takes. I tend to think he's going to stay at Ohio State, but it's an interesting conundrum that he's in if he is offered this job. I mean, defensive coordinator at Tennessee, that looks good on the resume.
1: Yeah, no question about it. To be a coordinator at SEC school, uh, a lot of guys jump off from those jobs to become head coaches, whether it's uh, at a power five school or not remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Al is definitely uh, trending upwards. He's got the right people behind him, the right people that, uh, you know, trust him. And and, uh, again, how much does being back in Columbus weigh into his feeling and the idea that, okay, you have this opportunity this year. There may be something even better come down the pike a year from now. Um, You know, perhaps the opportunity is there for a promotion at Ohio State, either as the coordinator or the co-coordinator. I don't know. Uh, You know, it's not going to be the coordinator this year per se, but uh, maybe down the line. You never know how many more years Kerry Combs is going to go. So, you know, it is what it is, but – I think he's got a tough decision to make, no doubt about it.
0: All right, let's move on to other matters of business. Who's going to be the quarterback, Steve? Who's going to be the quarterback for the Buckeyes in twenty twenty
1: one? Oh man, you know we know less about these guys than anybody who's ever come down the pike because we didn't get to watch them practice. Unless you went to the games, you really didn't get to see him throw before the games, and. You know, <laughs> Stroud, Miller, Miller, Stroud. I don't know. I mean, it, I'm going to say Stroud just because it seems like he's got the higher upside. But Miller could be just as good a player. It's just he didn't come in with the high rankings because he was injured as a high school player. So you don't know. And then you've got McCord coming early from high school as a, uh, you know, a 2021 prospect. It's a complete unknown, and I hope we get a chance to watch them practice a couple times at least uh, this spring in addition to the spring game so that we can form some opinions and get an idea of what what is each guy capable of. I don't even think we know that. You have to go back and look at old high school tapes to see exactly what each guy can do. And I wouldn't think that they'd be in this position if they weren't great players, and I wouldn't think Chris Olave would have come back if he didn't think one of them was capable of getting the ball. So you kind of lean on those two facts and put your trust in Ryan Day and Corey Dennis that they're going to find the right guy and that the train is going to keep running and rolling down the track. Now, will it be as great as the offense has been the last three years? I don't know. That's a good question. Haskins, Fields, Fields, those three years were pretty good. So, uh, you know, when you play a young guy at quarterback – you run the risk of a bad pick, losing a game, maybe that you shouldn't have lost. Uh, that's all possibility. Uh, that schedule came out this past week. There are some challenges on there at Indiana, particularly. Uh, I'd say at Michigan at the end, but, you know, whatever, Oregon, Penn State at home. There's some tough games on there. So, um, you know, whether that guy's going to be able to lead him to an undefeated season or not, I don't know. But uh, Stroud seems to have the – Inside track to me as of right now.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's going to be a fun competition, and especially when we have things called no football games for a while, which is sad to think about, but we get to talk about a quarterback competition for the next few months. That's always fun. I do think it'll be C.J. Stroud. I've mentioned that on the show many times, um, but it's not going to be easy. I mean, he's got two really good guys competing against him. Um, They were all handpicked by Ryan Day, all three of them. So it's going to be fun to follow. They're all very talented. It's going to be a, a heck of a QB competition to follow. Okay, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I feel pretty strongly, Steve, that the Buckeyes are going to tap into the transfer portal and at least get somebody, maybe two guys. I mean, it's going to be the Wild West this year. And it, even before this, Ryan Day has not been shy about tapping into the portal, and he's done a great job with it with you know Jonah Jackson, Justin Fields, Trey Sermon. You know, Gunner Hoax, the one that you know was just more roster filler, so to speak, depth uh, when they didn't have many uh, scholarship quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I am convinced they're going to get somebody, and I think it's going to be a defensive back. I think they're going to try and find a corner. It doesn't have to necessarily be a you know your number one corner, or even number two. Just it could be a depth guy, or it could be a guy that could challenge for your starting role, or at least you know top backup role. Um, what do you think about that? You think the Buckeyes are going to tap into the portal, and if they do you think they're going to, you know, target a defensive back, or what do you think is going to happen in, in that respect? Yeah, I
1: think you bring up a great topic. I think uh, I have them two spots under the 85 limit. I think if you had JT Moalo later on, whenever that happens, then you'd only be one under. But we also look at it that probably somebody is not coming back after spring practice, or maybe even not even go through for spring practice and just quit the team before that. And transfer elsewhere themselves. So there could be two spots. And I would say in a perfect world, if you gave me home run transfers at, I don't know, middle linebacker or outside linebacker, somebody who's going to impact the game, uh, a linebacker, somebody with experience, because right now they don't have anybody with any starting experience coming back at any of the three linebacker spots. And then you make a good point at cornerback. I think uh, if you got a Kendall Sheffield type who was able to come in and even be your number two corner with seven banks, uh, that seems like a a win-win situation to me. Those are the two areas to me. I think you're pretty well stacked across the board. You don't need a starting offensive lineman like Jonah Jackson. You don't need a wide receiver. Um, I mean, could you use a 1,000-yard running back? (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know, but you know, Master Teague, when he's healthy by the you know, it was weird. Master Teague's last uh, memory everybody has was not playing very well against Alabama. People forget that when he was going good, uh, at the end of the regular season, uh, he played pretty well. So um, get him healthy and, and maybe he can be your, your stud running back. But those are the two areas, linebacker and uh, cornerback to me, Dave that I look at and I just say, hey, they got to find a difference maker if they can. And, again, it's cultural fit. It's athletic fit, academic fit. Uh, you just don't, you know, go out there and, and, and put a call out on the waiver wire and, and take somebody to take them. you got to have a good fit. And I think that's what uh, Ryan Day succeeded with with Jonah Jackson and uh, certainly with Trey Sermon last year. He was a great cultural fit for Ohio State fit 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 it and uh, he waited his time and exploded at the right moment and uh you know that's the kind of player they're probably looking for
0: all right let's close the show talking about this fantastic ohio state men's basketball team if you're a listener out there and you don't care about ohio state basketball uh, thank you for tuning in it's been great talking to you for the rest of y'all how about this ohio state basketball team chris holtman Mm -hmm. and the boys are going to be a top five team when the rankings are released later today. I thought they'd be good this year. I never thought they would be a top five team. What a credit to them! They're they've won seven of their last eight games in the brutal Big Ten. They're sitting there at fifteen and four, nine and four in the Big Ten. Coming off a fantastic win over Iowa. I love this team. They're deep. They're tough. Opposing coaches say things like they're the toughest team in the Big Ten, meaning physically toughest that used to be Michigan State. And then, you know, who's the second toughest team? Now it's Ohio State's the toughest team physically. I love that. I love the depth. Like I said, Um, they get Maryland tonight on the road. Steve, you're all over the coverage of this team. Does it surprise you where they're at? And what are your thoughts on tonight's game?
1: I think it is a little bit of a surprise when you're able to go on the road and it started with Rutgers and then they kept it going with Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa for really good road wins. First time in school history, they've beaten four national top 15 teams on the road in the same season. That's pretty amazing. There's still a lot of work left for this team to do nine and four in the big 10. They can get to 10 wins in the big 10 tonight against a Maryland team that is really kind of struggling uh, they've got veteran guards. People will know the names Ayala, Morcel, and Wiggins. Those three guys have played a lot of basketball uh, for Maryland, but they really don't have the inside presence that they've had. <clears throat> Excuse me. They got a good wing and Dante Smith. He's really good or Dante Scott, rather. He's really good. Um, you know, on Saturday, uh, they scored 50 points in their game against Penn State on uh Thursday or Friday, whatever day it was, I think it was Thursday, Ohio State had 47 points in the second half against Iowa. So, to me, the Buckeyes have too much offense. will probably overwhelm Maryland a little bit. But it's at Maryland, Ohio State's 0-4 all-time at the Xfinity Center, the new building that Maryland has there on their campus. And uh, a tough place to play. Buckeyes need to go and establish their dominance early. And this team's got, as you said, toughness, length, versatility, and depth, and that's what this team wins with. When they get contributions from seven or eight guys, meaningful contributions, they win games. And so uh, I want to see if they can carry it over. Uh, You can't look past anybody in the Big Ten. Maryland's got some good wins this year, and uh, even though they're only 10 and eight on the season, four and eight in the Big Ten, I believe, uh, you know, they're, they're scratching and clawing, for everything they can get to get in the tournament so Buckeyes you know, will have a tough assignment tonight but they need to go out play like they have they should be okay and uh, really a lot of tough challenges left <clears throat> this home schedule remaining uh, Indiana on Saturday plus Iowa plus Illinois plus Michigan they have three of the top teams in college basketball still to come on the home schedule so when your home games when the games you're supposed to win this team will be right where they need to be come March.
0: Come and get some is what I say, the way the Buckeyes are playing right now. Thank you very much to the versatile and tough Steve Hellwagon. Great stuff from Steve. Thank you <laughs> to all the listeners out there for tuning in. We appreciate it very much. Have a great day, Bucknutters.